welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And before I get out of here, I will be talking to you guys about the WWE uh, UFC merger now under TKO. That's their new branding name towards the end of the show. But with that being said, let's start the show. So we start with Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with Jay Uso coming down to the ring. Jay's out here in his ring gear. But before Jay could really get started talking about anything, Kevin Owens will come down to the ring. This is Kevin Owens' first time seeing Jay on the Raw roster since Jay is a part of the Raw roster fully. Um, Kevin Owens would look at Jay and he would tell Jay Point Blake, listen, I know what you're going through. I've been in your shoes before. And Kevin Owens would tell Jay that the road to redemption isn't going to be easy. He's going to have to prove himself to everyone in the back. He's going to have to prove himself to even Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens still doesn't trust Jay after all the years of hell that Jay and the bloodline has put Kevin Owens through and also members in the locker room. But Kevin Owens does tell Jay that he does have a chance to run over everybody and have everybody side with him and prove that he isn't a scumbag anymore. Then that's when the Judgment Day will come out. You have Priest, Finn, and Dominic. And they're out here to come to Jay's defense. They would say that Jay doesn't have to try to convince everybody and that Kevin Owens doesn't speak for everybody in the back. The Judgment Day, they accept Jay Uso. As a matter of fact, they still try to persist on Jay to join the Judgment Day. Dominic, he would try. But every time Dom would speak, the crowd just boos the devil out of him. So it ends up with Kevin Owens saying that he doesn't care if he has to take on all three members of the Judgment Day. Jay Uso will step up and tell Kevin Owens that he'll join him. So this will turn into a tag team matchup here of the Judgment Day, which was represented by Finn Balor and Damian Priest with Dom in their corner going against Kevin Owens and Jay Uso to start off with Monday Night Raw. And the Judgment Day would win that match by pinfall thanks to misfire from Jay Uso when Jay would accidentally hit Kevin Owens with a super kick when Priest would duck it. Now, when that happens, Priest would clothesline himself and Jay out of the ring. Finn would hit Kevin Owens with the coup de grace to win the matchup here. And now, after the match, you have Jay looking at Kevin Owens and just telling him that he apologized profusely. He didn't mean to superkick Kevin Owens. It was just misfiring. Kevin Owens will look at Jay and then just start going to the back. Now, once we get to the back, Kevin Owens would be upset with Jay Uso. He doesn't believe that that was a misfire, and he tells him, listen, you can go and join the Judgment Day all you want. Go enjoy your new family. Again, still, it's hell that Jay has to go through because of his past transgressions to all the Raw roster members. So that's what he has to go through, trying to turn everybody to get on his side one brick at a time. So that's what he got to do now. Um, after this, we would get The Miz going against the character's hour. The Miz would win this match by pinfall hitting three Skull Crusher finales in a row, and this is just to give Miz momentum as he goes against LA Knight on SmackDown. Next up, Gunther and Imperium in the ring, and it's for Gunther's Intercontinental Championship in-ring celebration since Gunther is now the longest-reigning Intercontinental Champion. Gunther will stand on a podium, and Pyro will go off behind him, and that was a pretty cool visual. You have Imperium all decked out in suits, and I'm going to tell you, Gunther looks like an 80s like presidential, like Kennedy, like Kennedy style 
that's what I saw Gunther. I was like, okay, so 80s presidential candidate. Anyway, again, they all just look sharp in suits. Uh, Gunther with Peacock about becoming the longest reigning IC champion. Gunther will say that the past IC champions contribute nothing to that championship. Gunther was the one that brought this title to great prestige, great new heights. Then that's when Chad Gable will come out. Chad will talk about how last week was a great match between himself and Gunther and how Gunther came out on top and entered record books. Gunther would invite Chad to get in the ring so Chad could come in and say whatever he has to say to Gunther's face. Chad will take this opportunity to enter the ring and tell Gunther that he saw Gunther's face last week and that he knows that he pushed Gunther to his limit. Chad will talk about seeing his daughter's face last week and crying and how as a father that has lit a new fire in him to win that Intercontinental Championship and he swears that he's going to take that championship away from Gunther. Gunther will tell Chad that he is using his daughter to get another shot at his championship. He will call Chad a bad father. Chad will attack Gunther at this moment. And now the numbers will be too much because now you got Giovanni Vinci and uh, Ludwig Kaiser joining in on the beatdown on Chad. So it's a three-on-one beatdown. Otis will come down to the ring, but it's still too much for Alpha Academy until Tomasa Ciampa will come down to the ring with a steel chair and make the save. And Imperium would retreat to the back. Now, later in the night, we will get a six-man tag match with all six of these competitors. Now, next matchup, Drew McIntyre going against Xavier Woods. Drew would win this match by pinfall, hitting the Claymore kick for the win. This was a great match between both uh, Drew and Xavier. The only reason why we have this match is because earlier in the night, you saw a video play of Drew talking with Xavier backstage and it would get heated because Xavier would ask Drew about Drew's comments about Kofi last week and how Xavier sensed there was some jealousy. How Kofi won the world championship at WrestleMania in front of fans while Drew, in his biggest moment, he won his championship during the COVID era in an empty arena. So that's the reason how we got this match here. And again, both men had a great showing in this matchup. More Xavier Woods than Drew McIntyre because everybody sees Xavier as a tag team guy, as a uh, three-man type of guy. They don't really see him as an individual like wrestler. So for Xavier to have a good match for Drew McIntyre, hopefully that opened people's eyes who are running creative and we get to see more of Xavier Woods and hopefully him winning an individual championship before his well, career is over. Now, after this match, later down the night, uh, Drew McIntyre will walk up on Jay Uso in the back, and he would have some words for Jay because he doesn't trust him. Again, Jay was part of the bloodline who put Drew through hell, especially had Drew lose at the biggest uh, point of him going against Roman last year at Clash of the Castle. So he still doesn't trust uh, Jay at all. Jay will suggest them going at it with each other next week. Drew would accept, so we have Drew going against Jay Uso next week on Monday Night Raw. Now, after this, we go back to the ring, and Cody Rhodes would be in there, and he's supposed to talk. Uh, Cody would want to talk about Jay Uso, but before he could, Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough would come to the ring. Dom would tell Cody that he is happy that Cody brought Jay over to Raw, and that Jay will be joining the Judgment Day, and that would make Cody look like a fool, not only to the fans, but to the people in the back. And as he's saying this, Dom would flick Cody's own tie in Cody's face multiple times being juvenile and Cody would have none of it. He would end up attacking uh, Dominic. JD would try to attack Cody, but Cody would be able to handle JD. 
Cody will hit Dominic with a Cody cutter, then the crossroads. Then you see Dominic and JD retreat to the back. So if anything, this segment was just to have Cody just compete in some physical capacity. Excuse me. So the fans will at least be happy that they saw Cody at least hit the crossroads on someone. And also they got their whole whoa moment during Cody's entrance. Um, after this, we had Chelsea Green with Piper Niven in her corner. Piper's back. And Piper and Chelsea are still the women's tag team champions. Early in the night, Chelsea was trying to recruit Shayna to be her new tag partner because she didn't know if Piper was going to be back because the women tag team titles have been cursed. Uh, Piper is back. Shayna says, nah, I would rather fight you. So that's how we got this match here. So Chelsea Green with Piper Niven in her corner going against Shayna Baszler here. Shayna would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Exterminus, which is formerly known as uh, Ronda Rousey's Piper's Pit. After the match... Piper Niven would attack Shayna and Chelsea would join in. That's when Zoe Stark would run down to the ring and make the save. Uh, Zoe would knee Chelsea in the face, knocking her out cold. Then Shayna and Zoe would start walking up on Piper. Piper looking at both of the ladies. She would walk towards the ropes and slowly leave out of the ring. So it seems that we got our next tag team uh, right here, or at least associates that's going to be together. And it seems that's what... Chelsea and Piper are now doing. They're going against uh, Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. I don't know how to feel about this because I want Shayna to be her own like individual person. I want her to go after World Championship gold. I know that's what a lot of people want. They want that NXT era of Shayna Baszler back on main television. But with the reign that we're having with Rhea and the importance that they're putting on the Judgment Day, I'm not certain if that's the best move so for them to go back to the tag team route and have her team with Zoe. Hopefully, that's the best move that we're getting with uh, Chelsea and Zoe because you give both ladies uh, time to be on the screen and they are at least doing something. So that might be the right move. It might not. We'll just have to wait and see as time goes. I'm more on the optimistic side that it might be. Now, next up, the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins, will come out to the ring because he's out here to rebuttal what Nakamura said earlier in a video that WWE played. And Nakamura will call uh, Seth a manipulator, a deceiver, and talk about Seth's old ways and that Seth lived by the law of eating the weak and becoming strong. Uh, Seth would say that he was all those things. He was a manipulator. He was a deceiver and that he had to create facades to hide the person that he is and that he didn't really know who he was. Seth would say that he had to find himself and that he found what the people wanted him to be all along. And that's the version that you see Seth right now. And that's for Seth to be himself. Then Seth will say that he isn't here to talk. He's out here to wrestle. So Seth will call out Nakamura for the match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Nakamura's music would hit, but Nakamura did not appear. But instead, we would see on the Titantron backstage footage of Nakamura beating up Ricochet. Nakamura would beat a ricochet. He would look into the camera and tell Seth, not this week, maybe next time. And next week, we got Nakamura going against Ricochet. So we'll probably see Seth Rollins probably roll up either midway of the match or probably towards the end of the match and probably cost Ricochet that match because Seth wants Nakamura bad. So that's the way I see it. But again, we'll wait to see next week on Monday Night Raw. Now, next up, six-man tag match. Alpha Academy and Tommaso Ciampa going against Imperium. 
Alpha Academy and Ciampa would win the match by submission when Gable would lock in the ankle lock on Giovanni Vinci and Ciampa would have Gunther in the Sicilian stretch and make Gunther watch as Vinci would tap out. Now, I will say the crowd was really into this match like towards the end of it because you got Gunther and Gable going at it once again towards the end of the match and especially uh, when Chad had Giovanni in the ankle lock. And he made Giovanni tap out and then Gunther watched the fans like rose to their feet and actually was applauding and cheering for that because we all see where this thing is going. We all want Chad to get that uh, title win. We all want to see Chad go to that next level. We want that for Chad and for people to cheer the way they did after this match. It just proves that what they're doing with Gunther is working. What they're doing with Chad Gable is working and hopefully we get Chad Gable taking the Intercontinental title off of Gunther because it's about time. And Gunther needs to go after, as I said before, the World Heavyweight Championship. But again, we'll wait and see as that goes. Now, next up, we're off to the main event of Monday Night Raw for the World's Women's Championship. It is Rhea Ripley going against Raquel Rodriguez with Dominic Mysterio being barred from ringside. Now, with this match happening, I thought, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably thought, there would be other members of Judgment Day that would probably interfere in this match. Nope. No members of Judgment Day would interfere in this match, except we would get a surprise return from Nia Jax here. Nia Jax would come out of nowhere, like towards the end of the match when Raquel had the match kind of won by hitting the Tejano Bomb on the apron and getting Rhea Ripley back into the ring. That's when Nia Jax would appear out of nowhere and hit... Raquel with a Samoan drop outside of the ring. Now, Nia would throw Raquel into the ring, and Rhea would be able to hit her riptide and retain her World Women's Championship. And at this moment, I thought, okay, Nia is with the Judgment Day. This is kind of weird. So Nia would get in the ring, and Rhea would get in Nia's face, and Rhea had no idea Nia's here. So she has no idea why Nia is even here. And Nia would headbutt Rhea and start putting the beats on Rhea, even putting her head on the bottom rope and then hitting like a leg drop on Rhea's head. And then she would hit her with like the Rikishi, uh, like sit on Rikishi or the, oh no, Bonsai, Bonsai drop. Sorry, that's a better word. Bonsai drop. And it seems that Nia Jax is going after Rhea and I'm not mad at it because when you look at the Royal Women's roster, you only had uh, Piper Niven and probably Shayna, and you haven't built Zoe up yet. Like, legitimately, those are the only two with Raquel that are actually able to put up a fight with Rhea Ripley at this time, but with Piper being in a thing with Shayna Baszler as the way they're going with it, and Raquel just losing to Rhea legit twice, it seems like we didn't know who was going to be next for Rhea, and with Nia now being back into the fold, it seems that's our next feud right now. Rhea Ripley going against Nia, and I'm interested to see how this is going to work. So we'll see what happens next week on Monday Night Raw. So with that, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now with that, we move over into NXT. NXT will open up with a number one contenders matchup between Wesley and Ilya Dragunov, where the winner will be facing Carmelo Hayes at NXT's 
uh, No Mercy for the NXT Championship. Ilya would win this match by pinfall by hitting a stiff forearm behind the head of Wesley when Wes was on his knees. Um, this was a hard-hitting matchup between Ilya and Wesley. Again, Wesley's able to pull out those NXT 2006, 2000, like the golden years of black and gold when people will like to reminisce about NXT. Wes is able to bring those caliber matches out of individuals whenever he has the right dance partners. He had, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Dragunov here. He had, uh, Dajakovic. He had, who else? I believe Mello. Um, Wes is able just to bring that feeling back. Same thing with Ilya. Ilya is able to bring that feeling of old school, uh, NXT and they were able to bring it here to start NXT off. And this was one hell of a matchup, but Ilya would just happen to win. And after the match, Carmelo Hayes will come out on the ramp. He will hold up the NXT Championship and then stare at Ilya. And you will see Wes be outside of the ring, just brooding as he just got done losing the match. And this will come into play technically later in the night because later in the night, you will see Melo walk in on Trick sitting on the bench. And Melo and Trick will talk about um, a couple things. And you just see Wes in the back clearing out his locker room, just hearing their conversation. And Wes seems like he's done with NXT, at least for right now. I think he has a bigger plan in play because during Melo and Trick's conversation, and Trick would just talk about how Melo's having a match with Dominic Mysterio next week, how Trick wants to be in Melo's like corner. Melo isn't trying to have all that. He wants to literally be by himself, and he wants to give Trick the opportunity to be by himself the way that Trick said he wanted to be and go by him by his business. So again, I can see probably um some situation between Melo and Trick and Wes at No Mercy where we'll probably get Wesley probably siding with Trick because Trick wants to be the right hand to someone. But again, that's just me and what I'm thinking, but we'll have to wait and see at No Mercy. Now continuing on with Match announcements for No Mercy. We would get Baron Corbin coming out to the ring for an in-ring promo here. Baron would talk about being at ringside last week when Braun Breaker attacked uh, Von Wagner and crushed Von Skull with the steel steps. Baron would be sentimental here, and he would call Braun Breaker out because he has something to say to him. And once Braun would come out, Baron would seem like he's going to condemn Braun for what he did last week, but that's not the case. Baron would fanboy out to Braun about his actions last week and Braun at first would applaud it but then cut Baron off. Braun would tell Baron that he doesn't care for Baron's approval. He's not trying to get it from him. He did what he did to Von Wagner last week because he wanted to and because he could. So this will lead into Braun basically challenging Baron to a match at no mercy and Braun would tell Baron that he is not going to be leaving the same. He needs to call his loved ones because he's going to leave No Mercy the same way that Vaughn did. Now this will lead to Baron telling Braun that he isn't Vaughn. And he will slap Braun Breaker across the face. Now you'll get Braun Breaker slapping Baron Corbin across the face. Now this will be a slap off between both of these men. Security will come in to separate the two. So we have our second match announced for No Mercy. Baron Corbin going against Braun Breaker. Now next matchup we will get a six man tag. We'll get Josh Briggs, uh, Brooks Jensen, and Miles Bourne with Fallon Henley in their corner going against Drew Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, and Damon Kemp. The story for this is that 
Miles Bourne has been like the little subordinate under Drew Gulak, Dempsey, and Damon Kemp. The three men think that Miles Bourne isn't ready for this shot, and Miles is taking this opportunity here. So that's why he's teaming with Briggs and Jensen here. Um, in the end, Miles would betray Briggs and Jensen and side back with Drew, Damon, and Charlie when Jensen was trying to get back into the ring. And you would see Miles grab Jensen's legs and you would see Miles spin Jensen and Jensen's head would hit the ring post. This will allow Damon Kemp to grab Jensen and then hit him with a neckbreaker to win the matchup. So Miles seems to have gotten the respect from Drew, Charlie, and Damon. And he seems that, well, Miles is one of their peers now. So that's what it seems. Also, there was a point in this match where Fallon was going to get hit by Damon Kemp, and you would see Miles pull Fallon off to the side. So I could see them playing with a romance uh, side with Fallon and Miles probably in the weeks to come. Now, next matchup, we will have Dana Brooke with Kalani Jordan in her corner going against Lyra Valkyria. Lyra would win this match by pinfall by hitting a body splash on Dana Brooke for the win. After the match, Lyra would walk over to Dana and extend her hand out. Dana constantly being upset. She will look upset. And Kalani Jordan will have to calm Dana down and tell her to shake Lyra's hand. Dana would, condescendingly. And when Lyra would look to leave the ring, Dana would try to attack Lyra from behind. But Kalani would grab Dana just in time before she can reach Lyra Valkyria. So again, we're coming more closely and closely to Dana Brooks snapping off. Because Dana is tired of losing. She's tired of technically being a laughingstock all her WWE career. So I can see her probably snapping off what in a couple weeks and going after Kalani Jordan. And that will probably be Dana and Kalani's like feud for that. Now, next up, we'll have our Global Heritage Invitational matchup of Tyler Bate going against Axiom. This is Tyler Bate's uh, first match in the Heritage Cup Invitational. And Tyler Bate would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Tyler Driver 97, giving Tyler Bates two points on the board. So Tyler Bate is officially on the board. And next week, Tyler Bate will be going against Butch in Group A. Now, next up, we have a tag team match. The Kree Brothers going against Malik Blade and Idris Anafe. Kree Brothers would win this match by pinfall by hitting a powerbomb slash Brutus Bomb combo for the win. Again, I still don't understand what the Kree Brothers are doing at NXT. They've done everything. There's no more for them to do. They now need to go up to the main roster and help the main roster with their tag division. That's what I'm hoping for. But until then, they're going to be in NXT doing what? I have no idea. Probably helping other tag teams probably help them get established more and give them some credibility, but we'll have to wait and see, but that's what the Kree's were doing here. I feel that they were just filling up time. Next matchup, Global Heritage Invitational, this side from Group B, is Nathan Frazier going against Akira Tozawa. Nathan would win this match by pinfall by hitting a superplex then turning into a final cut for the win. Now, Nathan Frazier has four points, tying with Joe Coffey. Next week on NXT, we will have Joe Coffey going against Duke Hudson in Group B. Now, it's a must-win for Joe Coffey because if Joe Coffey wins, he will win for Group B, and he will just have to wait and see who wins for Group A. However, if Duke Hudson wins, this will be a three-way tie with Nathan Frazier having four. Duke Hudson will then have four, and Joe Coffey would have four. So, we'll have to wait and see next week on NXT what's going to happen with that side of the tournament. Now, we move over to the main event for the NXT Women's Championship. We have the challenger, Becky Lynch, making her long-awaited NXT uh, return, going against the champion, Tiffany Stratton. 
And now we have a new NXT Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch would win this match by pinfall by hitting the manhandle slam after Timothy Stratton would miss hitting the prettiest moonsault ever. The fans were excited for this matchup. The fans were happy that Becky was back. The fans were just excited all around, especially towards the end of the match where Tiffany and Becky were just going full, just going back blow to blow with one another. Uh, you saw, well, at one point, Tiffany would try to powerbomb Becky on the commentator's table outside of the ring. Becky would uh, reverse out of it and start hitting Tiffany in the head and bop Tiffany on top of the table, and Tiffany would lay there. And this allowed uh, Becky to get on the barricade and jump off and hit a leg drop, didn't smash the table, then wasted no time, threw Tiffany back into the ring and hit a leg drop. The fans were completely hyped for that. They were hyped when Tiffany would hit a swanton. They were just completely just up and antsy for this because people wanted to see Becky more than likely win her uh, NXT Championship, the title that eluded her throughout her WWE career. And now with Becky winning this title... She is a legit Grand Slam champion. She's won the NXT Women's Championship. She's won the Raw Women's Championship. She won the SmackDown Women's Championship. And she has been a WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. She's won every piece of women's gold out there. So now all of the four horsewomen have done it. Sasha Banks has done it. Uh, Charlotte Flair has done it. Bayley has done it. And now Becky has added her name onto that list. So it's good, and that shows you what the NXT product, what that lineage has been able to do for the women's division, what have how far it has come. So I'm glad that Becky was able to do this, and it also proves the point that having main roster talent go down to NXT helps out the brand. It helps out the competitors down there because this is one of Tiffany's best matches that she's had in NXT, and she had it with a main eventer like a Becky. So again, this proves why main event get people, main roster talented individuals need to go down to NXT to help and get these other individuals ready for whenever they go to the main roster. It'll be go time for them. And that's what Becky was able to do for Tiffany. Now, expect Becky more than likely to defend that NXT Women's Championship at NXT No Mercy, more than likely against Tiffany Stratton in a rematch. And again, that match, I feel, would be fire as well because everybody will want to see Tiffany more than likely if not regain it, or at least have the attempt to try to regain it and believe in the ability for Tiffany to win that title against Becky. But with that being said, I'm happy that Becky is now the NXT Women's Champion, and hopefully we get to see her uplift more of the female talent down there in NXT. But with that, that was your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I talk about AEW Dynamite, I have to talk about certain quick things that happened on AEW Collision this past week, because what happened on Collision would impact what you will see on Dynamite uh, this week. On Collision, you will have two matches to determine the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. You'll have Roger Strong beating Darby Allin to advance to the finals, as well as Smojo defeating Penta. So we will have Small Joe going against Roderick Strong on Dynamite, which I will talk about in a minute. And also, on Collision, one big important note is that, one, Brian Danielson would announce that, well, he made a promise to his daughter. And the promise was that whenever she turned the age of seven, Brian Danielson would start slowing down, being on the road, and more than likely be home. And we are now in Brian Danielson's last, like, official year of being a full-time competitor on 
well, just any wrestling company, if I'm going to be honest. I think Brian Dales is going to be a part-timer. He'll pop up and be on shows here and there, but he's not going to work week by week as he's done previously from years before. So he would announce that, and also he would throw out the challenge for him to have a match against Zack Sabre Jr. at AEW's newest pay-per-view, Wrestle Dream on October the 1st, and it would be made official, so we have Brian Danielson going against Zack Sabre Jr. Also, you have uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill coming down, and at the moment, you would think that Brian Danielson was going to give Ricky a Blackpool Combat Club t-shirt because he respects Ricky after that strap match that they had, and you see him about to hand it to him, and you see Ricky's about to accept it, but Big Bill would pop Brian in the face and start beating up on Brian. Ricky would push Bill off of Brian, and you would think that Ricky's about to save Brian. But no, Ricky wants Brian all to himself, so he just starts beating up on Brian Danielson. Now, you'll see John Moxley come down to make the save. John Moxley would beat up on Bill. Now we have a brawl between all four of these men. Ricky Starks and Big Bill would leave Brian Danielson and John Moxley laid out in the ring, and this would lead into... Uh, John Moxley going against Big Bill on Dynamite for the International Championship. Also, another big surprise return to the AEW company would be Jay Cargill. Uh, Chris Statlander, she went against one of the Renegade Twins, and Chris Statlander beat one of the Renegade Twins to retain her TBS Championship. Uh, then you have the Renegade Twins beat up on Chris. Jay Cargill would make her a surprise return to save Chris, and you would see Jay beat up on the Twins help uh, Chris up to her feet, and then beat up on Chris Statlander. You will see Jade hit Chris with the Jaded and then hold the TBS Championship. So Jade is back for the TBS Championship, and it would be announced that Jade would go against uh, Chris Statlander on this week's episode of AEW Rampage, which I will get into whenever I talk about Rampage. Now, that's about it of the big things that happened on Collision. Now we go over to AEW Dynamite. Dynamite would open up with the international championship matchup between Big Bill, who have Ricky Starks in his corner, going against the champion John Moxley. Now, Moxley would retain his championship by submission by making Big Bill tap out in a triangle choke, as Ricky Starks would have to watch because Brian Danielson would hold Ricky to make sure Ricky would not interfere as he already did previously in this matchup multiple times. Now, after the match, Ricky Starks would attack Brian Danielson, Big Bill would attack Moxley. Ricky would join Bill in on beating up on Moxley until Claudio Castagnoli would make the save. And you would see the Black Bull Comic Club manned the ring as Ricky and Big Bill would leave to the back. Now, later in the night, you would see the Black Bull Comic Club backstage. Brian Danson would make the challenge and he would throw out a tag team matchup challenge of Claudio and Brian going against Big Bill and Ricky Starks on collision. So we have that to uh, be ready for on tonight's episode of Collision, as well as uh, Ray Phoenix. He will be going against John Moxley next week on AEW Dynamite's Grand Slam for the International Championship. So we have that set up for next week. Now, next up, we will have the unveiling of the next victim of Konosuke Takeshita. Takeshita and Don Callis will be in the ring. Don will call Takeshita the Alpha because he beat Kenny Omega twice in two weeks in a row. Don would then talk about how the next victim of Takeshita is going to hurt Kenny because the next victim is basically the heart of Kenny Omega. And when he said that, 
I think everybody kind of knew who he was talking about here. And the victim would turn out to be uh, Kota Ibushi. So Takesha is going after Kota Ibushi. And there you have it. Now, next up, we have a fatal four-way matchup where the winner will be going against Soraya at next week's episode of Dynamite for the AEW Women's Championship. You will have Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, and Nyla Rose in this matchup here. Tony Storm would win the match by pinfall by rolling up Britt Baker after Britt will hit Hikaru Shida with a curb stomp. So next week, we will have Outcast going against Outcast or was left of the Outcast, if you will, because we will get a backstage uh, promo from... Soraya, and it seems that Soraya and Ruby are like distancing themselves from Tony after Tony screwed uh, Ruby in her TBS Championship matchup at All Out. So it seems that the Outcast literally is um, just Soraya and Ruby, but Tony came out with the Outcast music. So again, I'm not certain if Tony's out of the Outcast or not, but we're going to have Outcast versus Outcast next week. That's the only thing I do know, and it's going to be for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, next up, we have the Sex Gods come out to the ring. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Uh, they're here. They're happy. They seem uh, happy. They even play a montage video of their relationship from when they were uh, at the beginning of AEW Dynamite from the first episode to essentially now show the ups and downs of their relationship. Chris would mention the first time he saw Sammy Guevara, and that was when Sammy was in the NWA. Chris would say that he called Tony Khan and said that he had to sign uh, Sammy Guevara. So that's how this got this whole ball rolling between the two. Uh, Chris would say that he is proud to have watched Sammy grow up right in front of his face. And that's the pleasantries that we would get from Chris. Sammy would return the favor and say thank you to Chris for changing not just his life, but so many people in the back. Because without Chris Jericho joining AEW, uh, AEW wouldn't be a thing. Um, after the pleasantries would get done, we'll get right to business. Sammy will let Chris know that he didn't come to AEW just to be Chris's sidekick. He wants to be looked at as a main eventer, like Moxley, like Brian Danielson, like Chris Jericho. And that's why next week he has to beat Chris Jericho. Chris would say that Sammy's right. He has to beat him to accomplish what he wants. But Chris doesn't think Sammy is ready. Now this would like a fire under Sammy. Sammy would say this is the same Chris Jericho that I had to listen to for four years, thinking that I'm not ready, that everybody has to listen to Chris Jericho, do everything that he says. No, next week, I'm going to beat you. And after I beat you, we're going to get up, shake each other's hands, hug each other, and then we're going to win some tag team gold. So Chris would hear this. Chris would extend his hand out. Sammy would shake it. And they'll shake hands. Chris would pull Sammy in. And he would tell him, next week, I'm going to punch you harder than I've ever punched anyone. I'm going to beat on you harder than I ever beat on anybody. Because you're going to have to pull out the best version of you to beat me next week. So we're going to get a competitive match between Sammy and Chris Jericho. And again, I think we're going to get some cheating elements on the Sammy Guevara aspect. Because... Again, I'm still believing of the plan of Sammy joining uh, Don Callis. That's just my whole idea. I think that would be great. But again, we'll wait and see. Now, next up, we will have Brian Cage with Prince Nana in this corner going against Hangman Adam Page. This is their third time going against one another. They will show during each men's uh, entrance. 
highlights of their uh, previous matches. Hangman won one, Brian Cage won one, so this is their third match here. Swerve would be watching this match from the stage, and Hangman would win this match by pinfall, hitting a dead eye. Now, after the match, Hangman would get a mic and call out Swerve for what he said last week. Swerve would retort and challenge Hangman to a match at Wrestle Dream. Swerve would then have Brian Cage attack Hangman from behind, and as Brian is beating up on Hangman, Prince Nana, he would dance because that's the whole thing on social media, Prince Nana's uh, dance. So he's appeasing the crowd here as Cage is beating up on Hangman. Then you would see the Young Bucks come in from the crowd, get in the ring, and they would super kick Brian Cage. They would super kick Prince Nana, and this shows that Hangman does have some backup and we could probably be seeing the Gates of Agony and uh, Brian Cage probably going against the Elite next week on Dynamite. That's just my thinking of this. Now, next up, we have a tag matchup. Darby Allen and Nick Wayne going against 2.0 with Anna Jay and Jake Hager in their corner. Christian Cage and Luchasaurus will be on commentary for this match. More Christian Cage. Luchasaurus was just basically the backup guy. Uh, Darby and Nick Wayne would win this match by pinfall with Nick Wayne hitting Wayne's World, and then Darby Allen finishing off with a coffin drop on Cool Hand Ange for the win. After the match, Christian Cage would get up and grab a mic and start talking about how everybody is still talking about All In and how Sting and Darby beat Christian Cage at All In. Christian would say this is making uh, him sick. Christian didn't take the loss for his team and that he didn't team with his usual partner. So he would throw out the challenge for next week on Dynamite at Grand Slam, staying in Darby Allen, going against himself and Luchasaurus. So that's another match that will get announced for Grand Slam. Now, we move over into the main event, the finals for the World Championship Tournament. It is Samoa Joe going against Roderick Strong, who will have the kingdom in his corner. Samoa Joe would win this match by submission, by locking in the Coquina Clutch on Roderick Strong, and Roddy would tap out. Now, after the match, Samoa Joe will get a microphone, and he will talk about what he's going to do to MGF next week. He's going to beat MGF in his home state, and he plans on taking everything away from MGF, and he will put heavy emphasis on everything. And by the way, before I move away from this, Samoa Joe uh, has a newer, updated version of the Ring of Honor TV title, uh, the center plate is bigger. The other side plates are still like small, but the big center plate in the middle is bigger than his previous version, the one they handed to him. So I'm glad that he got a bigger updated version. Since Samojo is a big man, he doesn't need to be carrying a uh, small looking title. So I'm glad that they did upgrade the TV title for Samojo. Um, anyway, getting back to business here. Um, after Samojo would put the mic down and leave the ring, he'll walk up the ramp. The Kingdom would get in the ring with Roderick Strong. They try to put the neck brakes back on Roddy. Roddy uh, is constantly pushing the Kingdom away, not to put it on his neck. Then you would see Adam Cole start walking down towards the ring. Roddy would see Adam, and he would drop to the mat and start yelling in agony about his neck. And Adam Cole would quickly get in the ring, check on Roddy. Kingdom would check on Roddy. And you start seeing the kingdom yell at Adam saying this is all his fault. Uh, the medical personnel will come down, check on Roddy. They would get a stretcher. They do the whole nine yard here. Roddy is literally the wrestling male version of a Karen. I swear. I never would have sided with MGF so bad. 
this is more than just someone missing their friend. This is now borderline like crazy behavior. He is literally holding his neck when nothing is wrong with it at this time. He is holding it and trying to get all the sympathy from Adam Cole. He is constantly yelling Adam as he is on the stretcher. I mean, Roddy plays the Karen part so well, and I did not know Roddy could actually portray this part. I just always saw Roddy as a wrestling type uh, wrestler, never the guy to do this. So to see this other side of Roddy Strong as a character, it's very pleasing. Um, they'll get Roddy on the stretcher. They'll stretcher him back. Adam Cole will walk up behind the personnel with the stretcher. And as they bring him to the back, you will see Adam Cole stand on the stage. And Samoa Joe, he would appear and quickly yoke up. Adam Cole and put him in the coquina clutch and he is just yanking on it and Samoa Joe will look into the camera and just talk trash to MJF saying I told you I'm going to take everything away from you everything as he's putting MJF's boy Adam Cole to sleep on the stage and once he put Adam to sleep you will see Joe put his foot on Adam's back and Samoa Joe's the conqueror here on Dynamite. That's how Dynamite will end with Samoa Joe being looked at as a conqueror. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens next week on Grand Slam. I can't wait to see the match between Samoa Joe and MJF because I would like to see how that kind of plays out. Is Samoa Joe going to actually beat MJF, which I don't think is going to happen? Or are they going to pull some shenanigans with uh, MJF using the ring? Uh, MJF getting so pissed off that he gets himself disqualified. I don't know what's going to happen. I know there's going to be something good out of it. That's the only thing that I do know, but I can't wait to see what happens. But anyhow, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, jumping on over into Impact Wrestling, but before I get into their celebration of their 1000th episode, I have to talk about Victory Road. Victory Road happened uh, last Friday. I did mention how I would watch it and give you guys an overview of what I thought. Victory Road was a good, fun pay-per-view. Um, Impact Wrestling, as I said, it is an uh, eclectic promotion, which you could have some serious stuff going on. You can have some fun stuff going on. You can have everything in between. And I felt that uh, Victory Road was that. But what I mean by that is that um, character-wise, you had characters from here, there, and everywhere. Um, Crazy Steve is one of them. Crazy Steve is the everywhere type of portion because... Um, now Crazy Steve is trying to basically just take apart anybody that he can and that he feels like because he wants to spread misery, spread pain, spread, uh, spread just trauma to anybody that he's in the ring with. And at Victory Road, he went against his former tag partner, Black Tarus, and he did that by beating Black Tarus. Um, Leah Rush, he had a great match with Kushida to start off Victory Road and he retained his X Division Championship. Uh, the Knockouts Tag Team Champions, uh, Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich, they would retain their tag team titles over Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans. Uh, Kenny King, he would be defeated by Tommy Dreamer in a title versus career match for the Digital Media Championship. But it did come with shenanigans because Heath would hit Kenny King with, uh, what is he called? Um, God, the wake-up call. And the referee wouldn't see this because the referee would be trying to be kicking Sheldon Gene to the back. And this allowed Tommy Dreamer to then hit the DDT to win the match over Kenny King to become the new digital media champion. And during this match, Tommy Dreamer would wear attire to pay homage to his 
pro wrestling father, uh, Tom, uh, God, Terry Funk. So I like that Tommy was able to do that here. Um, we got the return of Jordan Grace, who had a great match with Deanna Perrazzo. And the story of this was that Jordan Grace was never, ever able to beat Deanna Perrazzo. So with Jordan making her return back to Impact here, the question was, will she be able to do it? And she did. She finally broke her curse and she beat Deanna. So that was a good uptick for Jordan. Uh, we had Bully Ray going against PCO and Anything Goes match. PCO would defeat Bully Ray, ending their feud. The Impact World Tag Team Championships will be on the line where the Rascals would defend it against the Motor City Machine Guns and the Rascals would retain their championships. Trinity, she defeated uh, Alicia Edwards to retain her Knockouts World Championship. And in the main event, Josh Alexander, he would defeat Steve Macklin by pinfall. As I said, Victory Road, great show. If you want to go check it out, I will suggest you do so. I want to mention also, Impact is doing a great job in showcasing how Trinity is a main focal point and is a main talented uh, player for Impact. And if Trinity ever does want to leave Impact, Impact is showcasing how everyone should view Trinity, how everyone should put the light on Trinity because Trinity, as I said, is a main level like type of player. If you give her the ball, she'll run with it. And she was able to do so here with Alicia, uh, Eddie Edwards. He again, tried to put Trinity through a table. But you have Frankie Kazarian and his wife, Tracy Brooks, coming down to stop Eddie here. And they will put Eddie on a table and have Trinity jump off the top rope onto Eddie. It didn't break the table, but it got the point across. Eddie would be eliminated from the match after that. So again, Trinity being treated like a star, that's what I like. But also, again, it showed a focal point on uh, Trinity being a star. And also how Impact Wrestling has one of the best, and I will say it again, I feel that Impact has the best uh, women's wrestling product out of the big companies in America. That's just my personal feeling, but again, that's me. Now, with that out of the way, we get over into uh, Impact 1000, and we will start off with a video package, uh, basically paying homage to all the legends and all the greats that ran through Impact. You would um, have them showcasing uh AMW, Chris Saban, AJ Styles, Sting, Kurt Angle, like all these greats in this video package, you'll have them showcasing Abyss, they'll show past uh, knockouts that used to be in Impact, current knockouts that are in Impact, past X-Division wrestlers, current X-Division wrestlers, uh, they even show like stars who are in other companies that are big, like LA Knight as Eli Drake, so they just show you that Impact is a place that people have came and been in and now that you can leave impact and you become a big star that's what impact is basically showcasing and how it is basically just the company if you want to re uh either reinvent yourself reinvigorate your career or just come here just to have fun that's what i got out of that video package and once that video package was over we'll enter into scott demore being in the middle of the ring and he will state how proud he is of Impact, how they have produced 1,000 episodes, and he's just beaming. Uh, Scott will talk about one of the cornerstones of Impact being the Knockouts division, then introduce probably the single important, most uh, important knockout of all time, and it's Gail Kim. So Gail Kim will come out to the ring and show her appreciation to the people. Gail will then uh, show a video package of the Knockouts, and once again, they had a great video package of the knockouts and once that 
video package was done, the beautiful people will come out. And for the people that are not aware of who the beautiful people are, the beautiful people consist of Velvet Sky and Angelina Love. And a couple backstory, when the Knockouts Division was being built, the beautiful people were there, and they were really the cornerstone for the sexy appeal of the Knockouts Division. They were the male-dominated focus group, if you will. If men wanted to watch women wrestling and be googly-eyed over some females, the beautiful people were your people. That's what I have here. Great wrestlers, but that the sexy portion was what brought people into uh, TNA, at least for the Nightgowns division, but kept you there so you could at least focus and pay attention to the wrestling portion of the knockout. So the beautiful people come out. They're not happy about their portion in the video. They're saying that you had them in it, but you had a whole lot of ugly people in the video. And then we'll walk out Giselle Shaw and her entourage of Savannah Evans and Jay Vidal. Giselle Shaw would apologize on behalf of Impact and say that the beautiful people were the innovators of uh, the knockouts and bringing sexy here, but Giselle Shaw has improved on it. Then you would have Jordan Grace come out. Then you would have Deanna Perrazzo come out. Then you have the knockouts world champion Trinity come out. Then you have Awesome Kong come out. Then Tasha Steeles, who makes her return here. It was great to see Tasha. Well, then come to the ring. And then finally, to cap it off, we have the return of Mickey James. Mickey would come to the ring. Mickey has been gone from Impact for six months. They make that no-no commentary. And this was all just to set up for a 10-woman uh, knockout tag matchup next week. So on one side, you'll have Deanna Perrazzo, Savannah Evans, Giselle Shaw, Angelina Love, and Tasha Steeles. Going against Mickey James, Jordan Grace, Awesome Kong, Trinity, and Gail Kim. So that's your 10-woman tag match that's set up for next week. Now, with this opening segment out of the way, the first match of the night will be a Feast or Fire match. For people that are not aware, Feast or Fire is basically money in the bank, but you have four cases up there. And in separate cases would hold prizes. And one case will hold a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship, the second Briefcase will be the Digital Media Championship. Another one will be the Tag Team Titles. And finally, one briefcase would hold a pink slip, meaning that you're fired. Now, you would not know what is inside of the briefcases. They're all mystery, and you have to find out uh, next week. Now, in this matchup, you have Chris Bay picking up a briefcase. You have Crazy Steve getting a briefcase. Yuya Yuromura, he would get a briefcase. And Moose would get a briefcase, thanks in part to Rhino. Rhino would appear, and he would spear Steve Macklin, who originally has a briefcase, but once Rhino spears Macklin, Macklin would basically fling the briefcase out of the ring, and Moose would grab it, and that's how Moose has his briefcase. So, as I said, Crazy Steve, Chris Bay, Moose, and Yuya Yuomura all have briefcases, and next week, they will reveal what's inside each briefcase, and somebody will be fired. Now, moving on to the next match here, we have Team 3D going against the Desi Head Squad, which consists of Rahit Singh and Champagne Singh. Team 3D would win this match by pinfall, hitting the 3D for the win. And after the match, Team 3D would powerbomb Rohit through a table. Now, I was thoroughly happy to see Devon here. Um, I remember last year, around the time of early, when Edge was about to get into his feud with AJ Styles, he mentioned Devon in his speech, 
and he thanked Devon and he told him to get well. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what was happen to Devon. And I looked it up. Devon had back surgery and it was reported at the time that Devon was not going to wrestle. He was done. So when Impact started advertising that Team 3D was going to be wrestling at Impact 1000, I was shocked and I thought, okay, they're probably going to have Devon not do much. He probably isn't going to wrestle, wrestle. But no, he was here actually wrestling and he was actually in shape to wrestle. So I was shocked to see that and I was happy as well because Devon, Devon being with Bully Ray or Bubble Ray, however you want to say it, it just brings back uh, good memories for me because I grew up having like common knowledge of wrestling like towards the Attitude Era, like ending like 2001 going into the Ruthless Aggression Era and Team 3D was still a thing. And I was aware fully once they left WWE, started going to TNA. I knew of their history. I knew of everything because YouTube was a thing. So I can go back and look at their time in ECW and all that stuff. And I would get into debates with my father about who was the greatest tag team. So he grew up around the Legion of Doom era and I grew up around Team 3D. And I said Team 3D was the greatest tag team of all time. And I think anybody would put the caliber of Legion of Doom going against Team 3D, I think everybody will say Team 3D. It all depends on your time frame, but I think, objectively speaking, when you look at the caliber of opponents and what each tag team did, I think you would say Team 3D is probably the greatest tag team of all time, at least in my opinion. But yeah, just to see those two back together here on Impact, it was just a fun time for me to uh, see. Now, next up, we have Josh Alexander come down to the ring for an in-ring promo. Josh would start by talking how he still is a fan of Impact Wrestling. Josh would say that 15-year-old him wouldn't believe that he's here right now, but Josh has to snap out of it because he isn't 15 anymore. He's a man, and he wants the one thing he never lost, and that's his Impact World Championship. Now, with Josh saying this, out will come out the Impact World Champion, Alex Shelley. Shelley would take offense with Josh calling the Impact Championship his. Shelley would get pompous and say that he carried Impact so Josh can have a place to get paid, put a down payment on a mortgage, have a retirement fund. Josh would fire back at Alex, saying that Alex should be thanking him for carrying Impact on his back for the four years that Alex was gone so when Alex could come back, there will be a company. So now, as both the men are talking, it would come down to both of them basically wanting a match with each other. But before anything could actually be made official, the Rascals would attack both men from behind. And at first, the Rascals would get the upper hand until Josh would deck both of them. Now, with both members of the Rascals down, you will see Alex Shelley and Josh getting closer to each other, just staring each other down, talking to each other. And Alex Shelley would see the Rascals attack Josh from behind once again and start putting the boots to him. And Alex Shelley, instead of helping Josh, he would just leave. He will leave and allow the Rascals basically to lay out Josh Alexander. And this is setting up Alex Shelley going against uh, Josh Alexander. Again, nothing has been made official yet, but you can tell it's coming. Um, It was made official, however, that next week uh, Josh Alexander will be going against Trey McGill. On impact, so we have that made official. Next matchup, we have a mixed tag matchup. Eddie Edwards and his wife Alicia Edwards going against Kazarian, Frankie Kazarian, and Tracy Brooks, that is Frankie Kazarian's wife. Uh, Tracy and Kazarian would win this match by pinfall when Tracy hitting Fade to Black, which is better known as the Dead Eye for the people that watch AEW and Hangman Page. 
So Tracy would hit that move on Alicia to win the match. After the match, Kazarian would have everyone look at the Titan Tron and a video will play and is of Tracy Brooks and her past in Impact Wrestling. Uh, Tracy will now be going into Impact's Hall of Fame this year. So that's good for Tracy and she joins now Don West and Mike Tanay in this class of inductees for Impact uh, Hall of Fame. Now we move over into the main event for the X Division Championship match. Chris Saban going against Leah Rush. They aired this whole entire match without no commercial breaks, and I must say this was a great match from legit Bell beginning to the end. Both guys were basically just slugging at each other. Uh, you had Chris Saban hit um, Leah Rush with the cradle shot, and Leah Rush would kick out of that. You had Leah Rush hit Chris Saban with the final hour, and Chris Saban would kick out of that. Both guys were just trying to do anything and everything that they can to put the other one down. And it would be Saban who would eventually put Leo Rush down after hearing a flurry of uh, offensive moves. He would hit Kushida's uh, power punch. He then would hit Shell Shocked from uh, Alex Shelley, his tag partner. Then he would finally lay Leo down with the Cradle Shock to win the matchup to become now a 10-time X-Division champion. So... That's how Impact 1000 would end, and you have wrestlers from the back come out to the ring and hoist Chris Saban on their shoulders, and that's how Impact 1000 would end. So with that, that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, and I would implore you, if Impact has it on their YouTube page right now, I would suggest go watch Chris Saban versus Leah Rush. You won't be disappointed. And now we move over into SmackDown, where SmackDown will open up with a surprise appearance from Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is here because he was an hour away. Um, Pat would say a couple words to appease the crowd, but then Austin Theory will come out to interrupt Pat. And I'm just going to be blunt. This segment was literally just built around Theory just getting decimated by the surprise appearance from The Rock. The Rock will be here. The crowd will be excited to see The Rock, and everybody's so happy to see The Rock here. Uh, Theory would try to do his thing, but Rock would just completely shut that down. He'll shut it down completely. He'll have the whole arena just basically call Austin Theory a a-hole, and I mean, Fox was bleeping that whole thing. Whenever he had one side of the crowd do say you are, another crowd said an a-hole, they completely just bleeped that whole segment right there out until they got done with that. And it got too much to the point that the crowd was just constantly chanting it, and then Pat McAfee said, man, we have a whole two hours show. And Rock says, yes, we might have a two-hour show, but me and the crowd, we're having fun here tonight. So, again, The Rock is just proving to everybody that he is on a completely different level whenever The Rock wants to come out and do his business. Uh, in the end, Austin Theory would end up eating a spine buster and then at people's elbow, not only from The Rock, but from Pat McAfee. So it was a feel good way to start the show for Monday Night Raw. And later in the night, you would see The Rock and Pat talk backstage and The Rock would be uh, met by John Cena. John and The Rock would uh, dap up with each other and hug each other. It was a great moment to see that. So, yeah, it was great to see that we had The Rock here. Also, this is something to note. Uh, Pat McAfee, he was in Colorado, I forgot to mention this, because he was doing uh, ESPN College Game Day, and The Rock was on College Game Day that Friday, and the segment 
came up or the topic came up of The Rock. Uh, he was supposed to have a match with Roman Reigns this past year at WrestleMania at SoFi Stadium. That was locked in, but things got changed. So that's the reason why The Rock and Roman did not happen. It was literally supposed to happen, but things changed and it didn't happen. But Rock did say that, hey, WrestleMania is in uh, Philly, so he's open to it. So we still might get Rock and Roman at uh, next year's WrestleMania. So we still got a couple of months to go for it. The only way I think we don't get it is if uh, the writers uh, act or the strike is kind of over by that time, but if it's still going, expect to see a Rock and Cena, not Rock and Cena, God, Rock and Roman uh, match happen at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 40. Expect that. Now, moving on to the first match of the night, it'll be AJ Styles going against Finn Balor with Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest in Finn's corner. Uh, Finn would win this match by pinfall, not because of the Judgment Day, but because of Jimmy Uso. Uh, AJ Styles will go for the Styles Clash on Finn, Jimmy Uso would run out, and he would get on the apron. AJ would see this. AJ would attack Jimmy and then drop him from the apron. This will allow Finn to grab AJ up in a roll-up pin for the win. And this is Jimmy's way of paying back the Judgment Day for last week, uh, handing over AJ to the bloodline last week. So that's the reason why Jimmy did this. Now, we would go backstage. As I said, Jimmy would tell Finn the reason why he uh, did what he did. And Finn will say, hey, I appreciate that. But the day that you want to join the Judgment Day, the doors are open. Because nobody is a leader over there in the Judgment Day. You know what that means? That means no Roman. So you will see Jimmy kind of be open to the idea. But you can see that he still wants to be aligned with his family in the bloodline. Uh, so we have that possibility here with the Judgment Day floating Inside and out from Raw to SmackDown, since they are the tag team champions, we're going to see more Judgment Day uh, intertwined with the Bloodline in the weeks to come. Uh, after this, we have the LWO coming out here in the ring. Ray will show gratitude to the LWO, and he says the LWO brought him out of a drought last year. He doesn't get too personal with it, but he just says that they brought him out, and he's happy that he has his family with him, and that with the love of his family, they were able to push Ray into winning a championship, the United States Championship. Santos would tell Ray that he is proud of Ray for stepping up when Austin Theory took out Santos, and Ray was the one to take that championship away from Theory. Santos would tell Ray that he always wanted to face the man that he respected for that championship. So this was Santos' way of asking for a championship match against Ray, and Ray would agree. Now, once that business was handled, you would see the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley come out. Uh, they're out here just basically to cause disruption because they're not too uh, pleased with seeing this. They would mock the interaction that Ray just had with Santos. And this will lead to a tag match. The Street Profits going against uh, LWO's Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro. Uh, the Street Profits would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Revelation for the win. After the match, the Profits would talk and then Bobby would tell them to attack the LWO. The Profits would then do so. Ray and Santos would get in the ring to get the profits off of Wild and Cruz. Bobby would then attack Santos from behind. Ray would then look at Bobby, and before Ray can get to Bobby, Montez Ford would grab Ray's leg, and Dawkins would punch Ray in the face and knocking Ray Mysterio out, and the Street Profits and Bobby would leave the ring. So you could tell that 
more than likely, we're probably going to get a match between Ray and Bobby. I'm not sure if we've gotten that before. I think we probably have, but it's just not ringing off to me. So I think we're going to get that for the United States title. But I think before that or even after that, we're still going to get a Santos versus Ray. I think that's where we're more than likely headed down the line. But obviously things could change and they could put the United States title back on Bobby's uh, shoulders a waste. But I just believe that will be a waste of time because Bobby should be going after the world championship. But uh, only time will tell. Now, next up, we will have the rematch between L.A. Knight and The Miz. L.A. Knight would win the match by pinfall, hitting the BFT for the win. And after the match, L.A. Knight would get a mic, and he would proclaim that he is gunning for gold. Now, L.A. Knight would list the champions. He would list Gunther, Ray, uh, Seth, and he would finish with even Roman Reigns. And then he will hit his catchphrase, whose game is it, L.A. Knight? And he'll have the whole crowd doing the whole, yeah, bit. And they will flash to the back where Paul Heyman and Solo was watching this. And you could tell that we're moving into the, the direction of LA Knight going after the WWE Championship. And for Paul to have this little thing with LA Knight, or if even LA Knight even beefs with uh, Roman, I think that would be great, personally. Because you know what? Why not? LA Knight, he's getting the crowd uh, excited for him. People like him. Why not put him against Roman and let him get the Roman uh, rub and let Roman get the bad guy uh, type of the bad guy type of heat that he's missing? If I'm gonna be honest, Roman is more of the cool bad guy that everybody likes, but I think Roman needs to go into that other mode that we haven't seen that much from him, like the bad guy that really just demolishes guys that the crowd really enjoys. LA Knight will be a guy that I believe that if Roman went against, Roman could give LA Knight a good match, but also at the end of it, Roman could be looked at as a person that gets booed so much because LA Knight is so beloved, and if you beat up on someone that's so beloved and you're a bad guy, well, guess what? You should become more of a bad guy that people would just love to hate. So I think that's where we might be going with Ray, not Ray, God. Uh, LA Knight going against Roman Reigns, but again, we'll wait and see on that. But it seems that's where we're headed with this. Now, next up, we will get Asuka going against Bailey with Dakota Kai in Bailey's corner. Asuka would win this match by pinfall thanks to Shotzi appearing from the crowd and scaring Bailey when Bailey and Asuka were fighting outside of the ring. Now, Bailey would see Shotzi. Shotzi would uh, run up to Bailey. Bailey would cower and then get in the ring, and Asuka would then grab Bailey. Get her in a backslide pin for the win. So that's how Asuka wins. And now she has momentum going into her championship matchup next week against Eosky for the women's championship. Now we'll go off to our main event segment here. The Grayson Waller effect with Grayson Waller's guest, John Cena. Grayson Waller did all of the talking. John Cena didn't get one lick in. Grayson Waller would take pot shots at John. And he would say that John doesn't want to wrestle anymore. Almost basically going the John Cena route to uh, John Cena when John did it to The Rock. It's almost like he said the exact same thing to John. Now, this would irritate John with uh, Grayson questioning John's uh, feelings about the wrestling business. That John takes his shirt off. He throws it into the crowd. Grayson would tell John, hey, this is a talk show. Now it's time for you to talk. And before John can even speak, Jimmy Uso will come out. Jimmy still has beef with John from two weeks ago. 
So, before John could even say something to Jimmy, Jimmy would snatch the microphone away from John Cena. Jimmy will once again say that the crowd is here to see him and that John, if John has a problem, he can do something right now because Jimmy thinks he has the bloodline in his back pocket still. Now, this would come into the effect because John and Jimmy will get face-to-face. Solo Sokoa will come down to the ring, and we don't know if Solo is here to back up Jimmy or to attack Jimmy. And at first, it looked like he's about to attack Jimmy because Solo would get in the face of John, and then he'll quickly go over to Jimmy and snatch him up, and he looks like he's about to hit him with a small spike. But this was a fake out, and he will quickly hit John Cena with a super kick. Now you have Solo beating up on John. Jimmy joins in. Now it's a two-on-one beatdown until AJ Styles comes running out to make the save. AJ would hit Solo, make a solo run out of the ring. And uh, John will hit Jimmy with the five-knuckle shuffle, and he's about to hit him with the uh, attitude adjustment. And before he could, Solo Sokoa would grab Jimmy from John because Paul would tell Solo to save Jimmy. So that's what Solo does. Solo grabs Jimmy, and you see Jimmy and Solo roll out of the ring. And the final image that you see on Friday Night SmackDown is of John Cena and AJ Styles in the middle of the ring. And it was glad to see that too, because AJ and John, even though their rivalry was so short, it was still one of the great rivalries of the 2010s. And you can look at their matches that they had from Money in the Bank 2016 to SummerSlam 2016 to Royal Rumble 2017. You can put on any three of those matches and you'll still, I think anybody will enjoy them. So even with that rivalry being so short, they produce great matches anytime those both of those men were in the ring, but to see John and AJ both on the good same side working together, it was such a good way to end uh, Friday Night SmackDown, and that's how SmackDown will end. Now, we move over to Rampage. We will start off with the eight-man tag, the Lucha Brothers and the Hardys, going against Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jay Lethal, Butcher, and the Blade. The Lucha Brothers and uh, the Hardys would win the match by pinfall when Ray Phoenix would hit a Fire Thunder Driver on the Blade for the win. Now we move over to a tag team matchup of the Kingdom going against Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. The Kingdom would win that match by pinfall by hitting the Proton Pack on Christopher Daniels for the win. For anybody that doesn't know, the Proton Pack is basically a backpack uh, stutter with a running kick to the head at the exact same time. Now after the match, the Kingdom will get a microphone. They would say that they're going to go to the hospital and check on Roderick Strong. They don't blame Samoa Joe who put Roderick Strong in a neck brace. They don't blame him for Roddy's neck problems. They blame Adam Cole. And (laughs) Matt Taven would say that they are challenging for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships because they see that MGF and Adam Cole hold those things as trinkets to show off their friendship. So the Kingdom wants to regain the tag team titles because they see them as championships and they don't think Adam Cole MGF sees that as that. So that's what we're leaning towards too. We don't get an official date for that match happen, but we know it's coming. Um, next matchup, Trio's matchup is the Acclaim and Billy Gunn going against the Outrunners and Peter Avalon. The Acclaim would win the match by pinfall. Billy Gunn will hit Peter Avalon with the Famouser and then tag in Max, and Max will hit the mic drop for the win. Now, after the match, the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, John uh, Silver, and Evil Una would appear on the stage, 
and they want a shot at the trios championship because they are tired of seeing good things happen to bad people. So that doesn't technically happen. What's going to happen is on collision, we'll have a one-on-one matchup of Anthony Bowens going against any member of the Dark Order. And more than likely, if that member of the Dark Order wins, they'll get a shot of the trios championship. So we'll have to wait and see what happens on collision. Next matchup, Ozzy Open. Ozzy Open will go against two scrubs. Ozzy Open will win that match in a complete decimation of a, what, minute or two matchup. It was legit a squash. They hit both guys with the Coriolis to win the match, so Ozzy Open would win. Now off to our main event of Rampage for the TBS Championship. Jay Cargill going against Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander would retain her TBS Championship by pinfall by hitting the Friday Night Fever on Jay Cargill for the win. After the match, Jay Cargill and Chris Statlander had a shaking of hands, embracing each other. Jade would like point at the TBS Championship and point at uh, Chris and tell her that she now holds that. She basically gave Chris her stamp of approval because this is the first match that Chris actually defeated, like, defeated a freshly uh, Jay Cargill instead of a like beat down version of Jay Cargill, unlike uh, at Double or Nothing this past year where Chris Statlander beat Jay Cargill, but this was after Jay just got done wrestling Taya. So Chris Statlander got the best version of Jade, and I will say this was Jade's best match that she had in AEW, to be honest. And um, with all the rumors and speculation that's been roaming around recently, of uh, people don't know if this is Jade Cargill's last match. Jade Cargill's going to WWE. She's staying AEW. Again, I don't deal with rumors and speculations. I try not to deal with that, but this one was too big for me to really ignore because Jade Cargill, she just came back last week on Collision. And now for you to tell everyone and for the rumors to come around that she's basically leaving to go to WWE now. And again, this is all a rumor. We have no idea if this is true or not. This would be a big blow to AEW, but again, I'll talk about it more if it happens to happen, but we'll wait and see. But again, great match from Chris Statlander, great match from Jay Cargo here. I suggest you go and watch that match on Rampage. And again, just like the uh, Chris Saban Aaliyah Rush match, I think you will be thoroughly uh, satisfied and you will not be disappointed at all. Now, with that being said, I want to talk about the merger between WWE and UFC. They are now under the TKO. They now make up TKO, if you will. And um, this is a 20-some-odd billion dollar uh, deal. Nope, to be more specific, the deal is valued at $21.4 billion. So the UFC and WWE have merged together and... There was a quote that Nick Khan said because Nick Khan was interviewed and he was asked about certain things happening within this merger between UFC and WWE. And the thing that brought it up was uh, UFC fighters probably venturing off into WWE. And Nick said, well, the UFC fighters probably could venture off to WWE like when their career is like windling down so they still can more than likely probably stay uh, active and be physical and all that good nature. And I thought about it. You know what? UFC fighters coming over to WWE wouldn't be a bad thing. Because you had the original version that did it was Dan Servan. No, no, no. Before Dan Servan was Ken Shamrock. And Ken Shamrock had a great career in WWE. Even though he was never world champion in WWE, which he could have been. Um, He wasn't, but he still had a great career for what it was. Then you had Dan Servan to come in. 
Then you had Ronda Rousey to come in. Those are the three like UFC fighters that I think about whenever I think about uh, MMA fighters coming over into WWE and actually doing something good with their time in wrestling. I'll say more Ken Shamrock Ronda than Dan Severin. I say Dan Severin because he came in, he had a great present- uh, presentation holding like different titles all at once. So Dan Severin is just a guy that I say had a great presentation. But again, um, when the UFC fighters start windling down, I think they can come into WWE and have a good career. Oh my God, even Matt Riddle. How did I forget? Matt Riddle, he had a good career in WWE for right now. So I'm not hating on the idea of UFC fighters coming into WWE. Now, here's an idea for uh, the UFC, for WWE athletes to go over there. I think, not in the competitive nature field, because I don't think the WWE wrestlers, some of them might want to train in uh, MMA, the jiu-jitsu, the, all that mixed martial arts stuff. They probably want to train in that, but do I want the wrestlers to go into the UFC and do all that stuff? No. I think you can have them like commentate and like do even some of the ring announcing. Like, for right now, everybody in WWE loves Big E. Big E is a great guy. Big E brings a lot of fun and a, and a lot of uh, enthusiasm to his stuff that he does. So I think if Big E were to go over to UFC, I think he could be a ring announcer. I think he'd be a guy on commentary. I think he'd be a guy that does backstage interviews to, like, lighten up the mood for the fighters before they uh, go out there. Or even, hell, do the stuff after the match. After the fights, and again, if a fighter wins, you can just kind of chuck it up with them and have a great time with them. That's only if they want to do it. But again, Biggie doing like the introductions, I think he'd be great. I think he done uh, some of the fighters' introductions. I think he did what Tyson Fury and uh, what's homeboy's name? Not Anthony Joshua. Uh, the other dude, the Alabama dude. God. Uh, Deontay Wilder. I think he did the ring introduction for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury's fight. I want to say that's the one that he did, but again, I see Big E probably transitioning himself over there if he doesn't wrestle again. But again, I think that with WWE and UFC coming together, it's going to be great. I think that the merger is great. I know certain people are not happy with it because people have lost their jobs internally on the business side of WWE. You already start seeing yesterday. On Friday, certain people within offices started to lose their job in the WWE. I'm not sure how the UFC went with their management, but uh, people that held job titles in WWE lost theirs. Um, but again, with a big merger like this, you got to expect that. So again, I think the merger is going to be great. I think they're going to do bigger business. I think they're going to start seeing more incorporation of uh WWE influence into UFC and even some UFC stuff being more influence into WWE. We'll just have to wait and see about that. But the merger, I think it's going to be great. If it isn't, well, then guess what? I think that that merging of this company is going to quickly dissolve within five years if it doesn't like hit the strokes and strides that this business wants it to. But we'll have to wait and see with it. So I'm hoping that everybody in this merger ends up with uh, what they want. Now, with that being said, time for me to get you guys out of here. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll be watching Collision. I'll give you guys the results of that next week on uh, the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And again, I'll be talking to you guys tomorrow for my Sunday episode, which I will be covering the news that happened uh, throughout the world. So with that, I hope you guys have a great Saturday. I love you all. I thank you. And I'll see you around.